the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews, beginning of verse 19. And I want to talk tonight about encouragement. 10th chapter of Hebrews, beginning of verse 19. Since therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which He inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, His flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We need encouragement even though we may not look like it. I'm not a skier, snow skier. I'm just not a skier, period. But I have been skiing one time. And uh, you asked me, how'd it go? Well, if I said to you, I promised the Lord on the slope that if He would get me down, He would never find me there again. If I, if I answered it that way, uh, would you know what I, how I did? I, I had some of the most imaginative ways to come down the mountain. Now, <laughs> I took a group of young people from Seminole, Texas. My daughter was in high school at the time. And she very much wanted me to learn how to ski. I guess so we could go skiing, see. And so she was saying to me all along, Dad, you're going to ski, aren't you? And I said, well, I'm going to give it a try. She said, oh, you can do it. Now, I'm glad they didn't have the cameras for uh, That's Incredible show, you know, <laughs> because they probably would have had my uh, attempts at skiing uh, in the introduction to the wide world of sports, you know, where the guy comes creaming down off of that thing. But not one time did Cindy ever laugh at me. And she would say something like this, Dad, I think you're doing better. <laughs> you, <laughs> you got two feet that time. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're doing great. You know how hard it is to get up after you've plunged into a five-foot snowbank and you got this ski wrapped around the back of your head. I'm telling you, it's not easy. And I could use all the encouragement I was getting from my daughter. What is true on the slopes is true in the family of God. Now we put on a Sunday face and come to church and somebody asks us how we're doing, we're probably going to say everything is great. But all the time we know that we're bruised by failure and we're cut up by sin and we're disillusioned and disappointment and what we need when we get here is more encouragement than condemnation. And what we need is some people to say to us, you know, hey, I know you can do it. I believe in you. I, I want you to have some courage because I'm not going to let you quit. Hey, 
I'm patient with you. You stay in there. That's, that's what we need. Now we need to get a definition of the word encouragement right away. It's really a French word, believe it or not, and it's really simple. It means to put courage into. It's the idea to infuse with courage, to spur one another on. And encouragement always helps. It never, never fails to do a special work in a person's life. Well, let me ask you a question. Why do we come to church on Sunday? I mean, why do we gather here in this place Sunday after Sunday? Some of you have some questions about that yourself. You know, why, why do we do it? Well, probably you're going to answer, well, we come here to worship God and to praise Him. And if that is your answer, I'm going to give you an incomplete on the test because that's just part of the reason why we come here. Verse 25 says that we're to come together on Sunday morning or at the time of worship, not just to worship God and to give Him our praises, but to encourage one another, to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Now you need some background to the book of Hebrews. It was written to these Jews, a special group of people who were badgered by the world. They were being persecuted. And many of them had left the faith and some were thinking about it. Some were tottering on the verge of walking out and walking away. And so the author of the book of Hebrews, whoever he is, sat down and wrote this epistle to encourage them and to say, hey, you know, we believe in you. We don't want you to quit. We don't want you to walk away. We've re- I've written this book because I want you to know we're encouraging you. And he points them to Christ in verse 19, and he gives them some motivation for sticking to it, some motivation for hanging in there. Two things, he said, on the basis of what we have. See? On the basis of what we have. Verse 19, he says, we have confidence to approach God by the blood of Jesus. We have confidence to approach God by the blood of Jesus. If there ever is any reason to encourage others, that's the reason. Is that God has been satisfied by the blood of Jesus, His demands of holiness. And the veil has been rent, and the door has been opened, And the way has been made for a man to approach God. On the basis of that, he said, encourage one another. And on the basis of the fact that we have a great high priest, we have immediate access into God's presence. And you no longer have to bring a sacrifice. And you no longer have to go through a mediator. You have have direct access to God. Now on the basis of this Direct approach to God and this confidence that we have the right to approach Him because of what Christ's blood has done. What are we to do? Well, verse 22 says that we're to draw near, we're to come up close. And he's referring to this intimate relationship that one is to have with the Father. And that's what we're to do on on worship in worship experiences, to draw near to God and to develop this intimate relationship that calls Him Father, and He's referring to His presence. And secondly, He says we're to hold fast the promises of God with an unwavering faith. There is His presence, and 
There is His promise. So when we come together, we're to come together to draw near to God and to hold fast with an unwavering faith His Word. In the fourth chapter of the book of Romans, it says that Abraham staggered not in unbelief when he realized he was past the childbearing age and God had promised him a son. He took the Word of God without doubt and held on to it without wavering. There is His presence and His promise. But if all we do when we come to church on Sunday is to enter into His presence with this intimate fellowship that's available to us and take His promise and hold on to it with an unwavering faith, that's pretty selfish. For we're surrounded by people who are hurting and who are haunted and who are troubled. And so he says in verses 24 and 25, because of our approach to God and our confidence of that approach, not only are we to celebrate His presence and to hold fast His promise, but we're to consider how we can spur one another on and encourage one another. That's why we're here. Now we need to analyze this passage, I think. So we're going to break it down and take a look at it. In verse 24, he uses the word consider. It's an interesting word. It means to fix our eyes or our mind on a particular thing. To fix your eyes or your mind on a particular thing. And it involves the constant and continual process of fixing your eyes or mind on a particular thing. Now what is this particular thing? It's how to encourage one another. Now I got a feeling that a lot of times we fix our eyes on, on the negative things we see in people. You know, and I think sometimes that we look for those things and others that we don't like. Usually it's the things we don't like about ourselves. But I have a feeling that most of us, rather than to fix our eyes and our mind continuously on how I can encourage someone, we usually fix our mind or our eyes on what, how we can criticize someone. Weiss puts this, Weiss has this, consider, in, in um, quotations, is the translation of kataneo, which speaks of attentive, continuous care. The exhortation is to take careful note of each other's spiritual welfare. Can you believe that? Am I, am I responsible for you? To take continuous attentive care of another's spiritual welfare. The purpose of this attentive continuous care is to provoke each other to the exercise of love and good works. Vincent says, The new economy demands mutual care on the part of the members of the Christian community. They must stir up each other's religious affections and ministry. My eyes are fixed on how I can encourage you in ministry. Now, it's not going to be possible for me to do that at arm's length in absentia. And it's not going to be possible for me to do that if I avoid worship. That's not an option. So I make worship the focus of my week and the purpose of my worship, not only to worship God and to praise Him, but to fix my eyes on your need so that I can encourage you. 
Now that would be a wonderful thing. That's the negative part. Positively, the word encourage, now watch this, in the Greek language is a combination word. It means to call alongside. It's the word parakaleo. You've heard that word before, parakletos. That's the word for the Holy Spirit in His ministry. So what he's saying is that the work of encouragement is, is parallel and like to the work of the Holy Spirit's ministry. Now that's an amazing thing that he's saying this, that the closest thing we'll ever get to the ministry of the Holy Spirit is when we encourage one another. Now I want to, give, I want to ask a series of questions. You've got a little note sheet that you're using, some of you are. First question, is this just to happen on Sunday? I mean that we're to gather together for the purpose of encouraging one another. So we're going to, you, you're going to take your Bible. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Just flip back to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Take care, brethren, lest there should be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart in falling away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now watch this. It is something that must be practiced day after day. And it is in the ministry of encouragement that prevents the heart from becoming hardened. Now when I was reading that, the first thing I thought about was that when somebody encourages me, it keeps my heart from being hardened. That's not what he's talking about at all. He's saying that when you become an encourager, it keeps your heart from being hardened. For how can you have a hard heart if you're practicing the ministry of encouragement? How, how often is it done? day after day, because there is no way to know how many burdens a person bears every day. Second question, do I wait for somebody to indicate that they need help or encouragement? That's a good question. Do I wait for somebody to come up and ask me, you know, for some help? I want you to turn to the book of Romans, chapter 14, verse 19. The quicker you find it, the quicker we're out of here. So you, you hustle on to that 14th chapter. Verse 19. So then let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. It's a pursuit a pursuit. It's something we, we seek, we pursue. Now here's the, here's, the, here's the scenario. I'm coming to church and I have my eye fixed on, my mind fixed on how I can encourage someone. And I observe, but just by you know, looking at somebody's, their, their countenance, you, you can tell when somebody's going through a period of time in their life, it's a crisis or a difficult situation. And I'm going to find that person before he leaves this auditorium. 
I'm going to put my hand gently on his shoulder and I'm going to say, hey, hang in there. I care about you. And I'm not going to wait till somebody runs up a red flag and says, you know, I'm having trouble. Is there anybody here who can help me? I'm not going to wait for that. It's a pursuit in my life. All right, third question. Is it necessary to do some great or spectacular thing? All right, I want you to turn in the book of Proverbs to chapter 15. Proverbs 15. And we'll read verse 23. Psalm Proverbs. You may just want to jot some of these down and look them up as you do your um, devotionals in, the, in your home or quiet time. A man has joy in an apt answer. And how delightful is a timely word. Good, word, good verse to memorize. A man has joy in an apt answer, and how delightful is a timely word. I read somewhere recently about a church that has a, a what they call um, a, you know, a card ministry, a card encouragement type thing. I'm sure that's not the title, that's not really a zinger for a title, card. And there's about to be a better, but, but here's, here's what they do. In the, in the back of the pew, on every Sunday morning, they have some cards there. And on one side, they have the, the, the uh, place stamped for, you know, to mail those. On the other side is, you know, where you can write just a note. And the first thing they do on Sunday morning when they gather in worship, people are gathering instead of, you know, talking or whatever, you know, talking over the football game or whatever. Some of them, not everybody, but some of them reach over there and take those cards, one of those cards, and they jot down just a little note to someone they know. Maybe it's in the hospital or maybe it's gone through a time of sorrow. They don't know their address, don't have the slightest idea how to mail that card, but they know their name. And so on the, out, on the other side, they put the person's name. That's all they do. When the offering plate is passed, they drop that in the offering plate and the staff takes that and puts the address on it and drops it in the mail for them. Now, if they're three or four to the same person, they just put it in one envelope, make that one in, and send it out in one envelope. It's amazing the results of that ministry. And, and the pastor who thought that up was telling about the fact that he's gone into hospital rooms and there'll be these cards plastered all over the walls that these people had gotten from the church the Sunday before. And, and, and how many times these people have said, you know, I, I just want you to know I got your card. I got a card from somebody in church and I, it just meant so much. Doesn't take much. All right, fourth question. Who needs it? I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 23. 1 Samuel 23. And we'll read verse 14. Now remember, David's already been anointed as king. This is what it says. And David stayed in the wilderness in the strongholds and remained in the hill country in the wilderness of Ziph. 
And Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. And David became aware that Saul had come out to seek his life while David was in the wilderness at Ziph at Horsh. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David at Horsh and encouraged him in the Lord. Who needs it? Even kings need it. Now let me give you some practical suggestions of how to do it. All right, Just jot these down, if you will. Some practical suggestions how to encourage. Number one, observe and mention qualities you admire in someone. Observe and mention qualities you admire in someone. Might be loyalty. You might be able to go, you know, don't make it up. So I wonder what I could say. Hmm, what a beautiful. Don't make it up. It may be faithfulness or loyalty. Now I was out jogging. I got to get you know get this in. I was out the other day. It was it's dark, totally dark. And I was jogging along there, and this I I, I sensed somebody was driving up behind me, and and I kind of you know, pulled over to kind of see what was going on. And this guy pulled up beside there, pulled up to me in a pickup truck. He's not a member of this church. I'll not call his name. I don't want him to be embarrassed. You'd probably give him a hard time. Some of you would. Kid him a little bit. He rolled down the window of his pickup truck, and I went over, you know, to, to speak to him, and he said, Preacher, I just wanted to tell you how much I appreciate you. He said, occasionally, I get to see you on television. And he said, I want you to know how much your sermons mean to me. And I said, I want you to know how much this means to me. And I was getting ready for a um, a real tough day. Some some, um, counseling and a funeral and the whole works. And I just said... You just will never know how much this day meant to me. And away he went, away I went. Just running a little faster, by the way. Okay. Right. Second, correspondence. Not only do you find, you notice things about somebody and mention it, but correspondence are a small gift with a note attached. Now, you need to do this in the off-season. I mean, they, people are going to expect, you know, a little note, maybe a little gift at Christmas time or Thanksgiving. You do it in the off-season. How about October the 6th? You, you give a little gift with a note attached, and you always sign your name. Or how about a phone call, brief and to the point? Okay, number three. Here's a good one. Cultivate a positive, reassuring attitude. Now, get to work on that because it's going to take you the rest of your life to, 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 to do anything about it, some of you. 
just kidding. Cultivate a positive, reassuring attitude and begin at home. You can begin at home so that this positive, reassuring attitude is something you start to practice at home instead of griping and complaining all the time about mom and dad, about kids, etc. Number four, pick up the tab at a restaurant. You can catch them when they're eating soup, so you know, don't won't be much. You're at a restaurant, you notice somebody over there. And you, you ever notice that, how good that makes you feel when you go and that's, that so-and-so was here a while ago and he, he picked up the tab for you. That's seven days a week. Okay, number five. Think seriously. It happened to the 16th president of the United States, a man in desperate need of encouragement. The Library of Congress has the contents of President Lincoln's pockets on that fatal night, April 14, 1865. And when they took President Lincoln, assassinated, they, got, they found these articles in his pocket. A handkerchief, a country boy's penknife, a spectacle case that had been repaired with string, a purse, that's what they used to call that little money bo- you know, thing that men carried in the old, a purse containing a $5 bill, Confederate money, I love that, Confederate $5 bill, and two old worn newspaper clippings. Now these two old worn newspaper clippings were columns that were written by a man named Bright, B-R-I-G-H-T, and he wrote them about the President of the United States and called him one of the greatest men of all time. Now why do you suppose that Mr. Lincoln would carry an old worn out newspaper clipping around with him all the time? Ah, you know the answer to that. Because in that crucial and critical and terrible time through which he passed, he must have pulled out those clippings and, were in, and was encouraged by them. I want you to see him tonight sitting in the Oval Office. It's dark outside. There's a little light on, on the desk. And that old man, scarred by the, by the difficulty of his life, leaning over his desk, reading again, a man saying, He was one of the greatest men of all time. For even the President of the United States cannot survive without encouragement. 
Let's pray together. Our Father, when we evaluate the work of the Holy Spirit, remind us that we're doing most like Him when we're encouraging one another. Help us to fix our eye and our mind upon ways that we can encourage one another not to hate, to resent, to become bitter, but to love good deeds. To do it today while it's still today. Father, thank you for the encouragement that has kept us, so many of us, going in discouraging times. We pray for the grace that would encourage others so the church can be the church, so that we can be the body of Christ, so that when others fall, they don't get stuck there. I pray this in Jesus' name for His sake. Now, I'm going to ask you to do an unusual thing. Done this one time in 33 years. In this invitation, if, if there is someone here you would like to encourage, you do that. You might just want to slip over to someone and just put your arm around them and say, hey, I want you to hang in there. We love you. I know you're going through a tough time. I want to encourage you. You may not want to do that right here. You want to do it before we leave. There might be someone tonight who needs to come and profess his faith in Christ or to come tonight to join this church. The most encouraging thing we could do is to receive you and then let you know that we want you as our part of our family. We really do. You may need to come to recommit your life to, to an unselfish way of living. For, I, for we know that, you know, for you might know that most of your life's been centered around yourself. So while we stand to sing, we invite you to come.